Hello, and welcome to Small Shop Fundraising, a podcast dedicated to the small to medium-sized nonprofits and the topics and issues facing them today. On the podcast today, we are going to be talking with Gretchen James. She works for a chapter of JDRF in Middle and East Tennessee, which is based in Nashville. They just had, on April 25th of 2020, their first virtual gala. And it was wildly successful, more successful than they thought it was going to be. And we talk about the ins and outs, the decisions that had to be made, and how they pulled it off. And because of all the information, I decided to put it into a two-part series. So this is the first part of the two-part series. I hope you will enjoy, and please stick around for the second part of, of the series coming out next week. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Small Shop Fundraising, a podcast dedicated to small to medium-sized nonprofits. My guest today is Gretchen James. She is a development coordinator with JDRF of Middle and East Tennessee, and they're based in Nashville. But more importantly, she's one of my dearest friends and uh, she agreed to be on the podcast uh, mainly because she's a good friend of mine. Gretchen, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored. Well, I wanted to start with my my good friends who would be willing to talk, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly about being in fundraising. And one of those people is you. So thank sure. you so, so much for being here. Um, before we talk about your virtual gala that you had just, what, two weekends ago? That's right. Yeah. I want to hear, uh, hear, let the listeners know more about you. Um, so could you tell us some uh, more things about your background and some of your fundraising successes? Yeah. So I've been in the nonprofit scene for, um, for 13 years, 13 years. Um, I started working in, um, I started working at Actors Theater in 2005. Oh, so I'm going to say 15 years I've been in nonprofits. Two of those years were in the box office. And then I somehow got dragged into development um, and was in my position for about two weeks when I realized, oh, yeah, I think this is what I went to college for. Uh, I like to connect people with the things that they are passionate about. And I like to help those organizations raise money to continue to work. So uh, that's why I love being a nonprofit. Um, And so I started in the development department at Actors Theater in 2007. My main job was to organize the very popular Lobster Feast, which was Actors Theater's fundraising gala. Um, it happened in the middle of Kentucky in the end of January. Um, and it was a beach themed lobster buffet, all you can eat lobster costumed event. That was crazy fun. And, um, always had people energetic and excited about being there. Even if they didn't know what they were there for, we, 
raised money and we ate lobster, 2,700 pounds of lobster Wow. Um, one year. Wow. That's a lot yeah. of lobster. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for Louisville being like the hub of UPS um, mm -hmm. because there was a place that just kind of um, held a lobster holding tank, which allowed us to get the lobster for this event in the middle of landlocked Kentucky in the middle of the winter. And so that's how I started. So I would work with volunteers and board members and the staff of the theater um, to get this event up and running. Um, and I worked there and did that event for eight years. Um, I was the first person, you don't have to use this, but I was the first person to manage that event more than once. Oh, and we're I definitely using eight, that. I did it eight times. <laughs> Holy moly, eight times. They got to keep you for maybe, eight. Maybe it was seven and a half because <laughs> I left maybe halfway through the the eighth one um, because I moved to Nashville. That's really the the main reason why I left Actors is was to move to Nashville with my husband so he could start a food truck and a restaurant. And what's um, the name of that company? Um, so we own Brothers Burger Joint. Two Best burgers in, in Nashville. Oh, thank you. <laughs> two locations. One's in Berry Hill and one is in Nolensville, Tennessee. Uh, very good burgers. Come check us out. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's my, my side hustle. But, you know, my real job is, is getting the money for the nonprofits these days. Um, but yeah, so I moved, I did that event, varying successes. I mean, every year it grew and grew and grew. Um, my second year that I did that event in Louisville was the year of the downturn or the recession. Um, so January of 2009 was um, hard. It was a hard year, a hard year to be in fundraising, a hard year to produce an event like that sounds familiar um, yeah sounds familiar. but i'll tell you what i'd take it back <laughs> i'd go back to that year oh, yeah. um no i wouldn't no i wouldn't this has been um this has been different um doing it this year but you know at least we i had that practice before and so um yeah well so let's talk about um this event that that you uh, support and manage sure. um before the pandemic before 2020 yeah so JDR, what's the name uh, of just it to give, yeah well the name is the promise gala so jdrf is the um, leading researcher or the leading funder of research for type 1 diabetes and um, so we're an international organization um, that is focused on finding cures for type 1 diabetes and um, helping people to manage type 1 diabetes. So I decided I, after a couple of years out of fundraising, I decided I wanted to get back into the nonprofit scene and see what it would be like to work for a larger nonprofit. Um, and the thing about JDRF is that they ha we have chapters all over the world. Um, we're raising money all over the world, you know, to combat and fight this disease. Um, but our the main um, location is in New York. Um, 
so and we have a great national team um that is all about the signature events so it's different working for a international nonprofit than it is a local nonprofit um and that you have different loyalties i guess is kind of the way to say it there i mean people that are around us people that live near us are that have a connection to type 1 and really want to get rid of this disease and make their themselves or their loved ones not have to deal with the disease every day um, are very passionate about it. And they um, rally behind us so much. Um, and they're so, you know, and they're very diverse. They come from, I mean, this disease affects everyone, not just the wealthy, not just the not wealthy. Um, so it's very interesting to see kind of the mix of people that want to help. So our focus, the way that we raise money is not necessarily through an annual fund campaign or one-on-one -on -one donor contact, which, you know, we still do some of that. But the main way that we raise money as an organization is through events, especially at the local level. We have walks. Um, every chapter has a walk. Every chapter, for the most part, has a gala. Um, we also do rides. We do peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. Um, but our main goal, our main rev source of revenue for us is our events. Um, so this year, 2020, um, was my second year working on the event. Um, and it was also our chapter's 20th anniversary of this event. So we were really going strong and gung-ho about making this like a spectacular event. It was at going to be at the Omni um, Hotel downtown in downtown Nashville. Um, we had a volunteer make this huge 20 for us, like 10 foot 20. Wow, um, that's neat. Which was collaged with pictures from the past 20 years wow. of the event. Um, you know, she spent so much time and energy making this awesome piece of decor that was going to be on the stage. Um, our our goal was to sell um, a thousand tickets, have a thousand people there. We were going to have this little diabetes museum so you could kind of see in the 20 years um since we've been hosting this event um the changes that have been made in the technology that people with type 1 diabetes have to use so um you used to have the just the changes in an insulin pump or the way that insulin was delivered um in the past 50 years to now um has the research that has gone into making those changes has mostly been funded by the support of people giving to JDRF. So we wanted to highlight that and, you know, focus on that and see how far that we've come um, in the past 20 years. JDRF celebrates its 50th anniversary this year as well. Um, it was started by two moms sitting at a table um, back in 1970, when they found out that their two kids had type 1 diabetes and they wanted a way to find a cure. Um, and they knew the way to find the cure was the research. That's just amazing. So 
Yeah. So just to kind of go back to the history, I kind of went off on a tangent there. Sorry. So the history is that, you know, it was the 20th anniversary. Um, we, every year we keep growing and growing in the amount that we bring in. Two years ago, we had um, the event at the Titans football stadium, Nissan stadium in 2018, and they raised $1.8 million. From um, one event? From this one event. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And then last year, we went back to a hotel in um, downtown Nashville, and we were raised $1.6 million, which wow. totally huge, totally spectacular. Huge. Yes. Um, so this year, we, you know, wanted to get back to that 1.8, and that was our goal for this year, to raise $1.8 million. As a way to celebrate that 20th yeah. anniversary, you know. So so that was your goal, right? And that's that's yep. what you had in mind when you were planning this this event probably in 2019. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm just assuming that you started hearing things from maybe your your headquarters in in New York, is that right? And yeah. Yeah. um about this potential pandemic happening mm-hmm. and and then how it was going to more than likely trickle into the interior parts of the U.S. When did your organization start to notice a change and kind of and kind of hit them, well, hit I, you all that something was going to have to change yeah. to pivot because of this pandemic? Yeah. Well, I will say just kind of going back. I remember that first week of March. And Nashville was a crazy week to begin with, but um, it was maybe the week before, maybe that last week in February, um, when everything was happening in Seattle, everything started in Seattle, right? So that was like the first place that was shutting down. And um, we learned that the Seattle gala had been canceled uh, probably about a week before the event. Um, It was gonna have to be postponed. And I think at that point we were like, oh, I hope that doesn't happen here. What are we going to do if that happens here? Um, And then just to kind of make things a little bit more difficult for us in Nashville, we had a tornado um, that struck on March, the early, early morning of March 3rd. Um, So that kind of my focus of the event was the auction that was where um 75 percent of my focus was um so that tornado kind of you know it it gave everybody on the auction committee um and those of us in charge of the auction we kind of had to step back and think about oh what are some of the auction items that we can't go after now because that business is no longer standing or um, they don't have any power. They don't know when their lights are going to come back on. Um, so that was a pivot that we had to make and just kind of look at our list and readjust. Um, thankfully, it wasn't it wasn't too much stuff, but there were um, three to five things that we had to think about replacing or that kind of um, set us back, just a, just a tinge. Um, so two days later, um, I think the first case of COVID-19 was found in our county, Williamson County in Tennessee. 
Um, and we still, you know, I, we're still moving ahead. They shut down schools for two days. We're still moving ahead, you know, still keep going. And then it was like a week later, we decided we couldn't go into the office. And at this point, you know, we were having weekly calls with our CEO and he was, you know, we're going to keep moving forward. We're not at a point where we can close everything yet. Um, I think that maybe it was the middle of March, I want to say, that that um, JDRF as a whole organization decided that they needed to um, change all of the spring events. Um, most of the galas that happen happen in the spring. Um, so there was a lot of talk with our national events team about pivoting to um, one big event that um, the whole country could get behind, or do we do these smaller events? Or some of our chapters just did their, they were ready to go with their silent auction. They just did their auction online, um, made it last a, little, a couple of days longer and had it online. Um, and then there was the, you know, now that people have won auction items, how do we get the auction items out to people without being yeah. in direct contact with them, with having the social distancing aspect of everything? Um, so my boss really fought. Um, she, she did not want to see all of our hard work kind of fizzle out. You know, she said we could postpone this or we could um, work on a way to make this happen on April 25th, the way that we wanted it to happen. Um, so she, she went to the national team and they were like, you know what, you've had so much success at this event, you know what you're doing, um, we'll get behind you and we'll rally behind you and we'll, let's make this a virtual event and let's see what that means. Wow. Um, so I think it would, we had about five weeks, maybe not even five weeks. We had, I want to say three weeks to say, okay, we're going to turn this event into a virtual event. Um, so we got on, we got on a zoom call with our board. We told them what we wanted to do and they were like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, at that point we had had you know, we were probably 90% to our goal, 80 to 90% to our goal of table sales and ticket sales. Wow. Um, we have been getting guest list names in um, for a while. You know, we always, we ask, we started asking for guest lists in early February um, to make sure we had people in our system so we could send them emails um, and promotions about the auction items that we had. Um, Did you guys have table so. captains? Or? Yes. Okay. So we had, you know, uh, like most events, a lot of our, um, a lot of the money that comes in is from corporate sponsors. Um, so we had table hosts. Okay. We had social table hosts and we had corporate table hosts. You know, so we communicated with them and let them know we were pivoting. Yeah. Um, the one thing that we kind of had working in our favor, or the one thing that we could compare it to is type 1 diabetes doesn't take a day off. You, It is a disease that you have to deal with every day, 24-7. You never 
it never stops. It never stops. And I think there's there's some quote out there that the tip of, that the person with type one diabetes has to make 180 more decisions a day than anybody else than somebody that does not have type one diabetes. Um, there, it's just you can't stop. So we just decided we weren't going to stop, um, and just kept going. All right. Thank you for joining us for part one of my conversation with Gretchen James on small shop fundraising. We will be continuing the conversation with Gretchen next week. And that's where we really get into the details of how they pulled off a virtual gala in three weeks. And we'll talk about the logistics. We'll talk about some of the fundraising goals and we'll really get into the details, like I said. So I hope you'll join me and thanks for listening.